Hello and welcome to The Lost Button, the podcast for young people figuring out their future life and career. I'm Liz. And I'm Connor. And we're here to help you navigate all the big decisions you have to make about your future and create a path that's right for you. Each episode, we're going to tackle some of the biggest questions and challenges Gen Z are facing about their future, from finding a job you're passionate about to managing stress and burnout. Liz, you know it's outrageous? We're already up to episode nine and we still haven't gone into lockdown here in Perth. How's your week been? No comment. It has been a bloody busy week for Purposeful. <laughs> All exciting stuff, so I can't complain. But yeah, I feel like I'm on a treadmill at full speed at the moment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exciting. Yeah, it is. But let's get into it because I'm really keen for this topic today. Absolutely. So today's episode is all about how to get lucky in your career and create your own opportunities. So Liz, would you rather be the luckiest person alive or the most determined person? So if you're the luckiest person, everything goes well, but if you're the most determined, nothing can stop you. It's a tricky question. Oh, it is. A, I, it is. I'm thinking of that like Powerball problems ad when I make this decision, but actually I would pick the most determined because I think that it's often really, you know, the time when you achieve your goal doesn't take very long, but the process to getting there does. So that's what gives me lots of purpose and, and energy. So I'd rather kind of have like a focus to my life. I don't know what I'd do with myself if I didn't have a reason to work. <laughs> yeah, true. I, I definitely would pick the luckiest person alive because then you don't have to work. Everything just falls into place for you. You know, think about it. You win the lotto. When I was a kid, I remember I won a couple of raffles, so that's pretty good. <laughs> I consider myself quite lucky, Liz. But yeah, I mean, both of those are good options. Now, some key stats about today's topic. At every stage of your life, irrespective of the situation, Liz, taking initiative will always help. Another thing is that this really isn't fair, but those who show initiative at work are always perceived as better leaders and are even more likely to be promoted than those who may be technically better at their job but aren't proactive. Yeah, for sure. And I think another stat that I'm really aware of when we're hiring people as well is that actually men tend to overestimate their abilities and women tend to severely underestimate their abilities. So I think it's around, um, the statistic is around women will wait until they've ticked every single item off of a job description before they'll actually apply. Whereas men will, will only wait for like three or four or five of out, out of maybe 10 points before they consider themselves fit for the job, which is which really sucks because it means a lot of um, women don't actually put themselves in the ring for opportunities. So... Yeah. Mm. yeah, well, this episode is all about how to be proactive in finding your path. So hopefully we share some pretty useful tips. My first question for you, Liz, is do you think people really get lucky in their careers or do they make their own luck? I love this question because when we talk about careers, a lot of people will often say, oh, I just sort of fell into this path or I just sort of stumbled onto this job. A lot of people aren't very proactive about their careers. One time when this was really cemented for me was at Leap, which was a, 
uh, program that I did when I was in high school. And for those of you who don't know, I feel like it's a good time to explain what it is because we both went on leap and I know it's been a big part of our journeys. It was started by a celebrity dentist. Shout out to Dr. Bill. <laughs> yes, he was like the celebrity dentist on The Doctors and Extreme Makeover, those kind of early 2000s shows. And Leap started off as him basically just inviting all of his clients to come and talk to a bunch of high school kids about their stories. But these weren't any sorts of people. These were like the most successful people at whatever they did. So it might be like the sleep specialist or celebrities or actors or um, professionals. They were like the best at whatever they did. And I remember when I went, they'd share all their stories of success. And throughout the week, like it would kind of get a bit repetitive like everyone would sort of say the same advice and then it hit me that actually it's because there's a there's like a a roadmap to being successful all Mm. of these successful people have this mindset of creating their own luck and their own opportunities and for me I really think of that today as you are in the driver's seat of your future Um, a lot of people sort of wait for opportunities to kind of find them or happen to them but really people of accomplishment rarely sit back and let things just happen to them. They actually go out and happen to things. And that's that's the mindset we want to um, teach you all in this episode. I love that quote, the idea of you actually need to make things happen yourself because no one's going to give you opportunities when you're not putting in effort, right? You're truly in the driver's seat for your future. A big part of this is about having an internal locus of control. So The way I learned about this is taking complete accountability and responsibility for your future. That's really important. Um, And, you know, in this context, why do you think, Liz, it is important to shift our mindset to that internal locus of control? Yeah, when we graduate, often at school and even at university, we're sort of taught to follow the rules. So we think that we actually have to follow the rules when it comes to finding work as well. For example, with job descriptions, people think I have to have all the things on this job description before I can get the job. Um, Great example of this not happening was actually my my little sister just got arguably her dream job and she was hired internally from the company she was working at. It said you needed like three or four years experience, a bachelor's degree. She didn't have either of those things, but she had the relationships and had put herself in that environment to get lucky almost. So I think that is a really important difference because because most people who actually get opportunities don't get them in the way people think they do. And secondly, I know a lot of people get frustrated about wanting to find their dream job, but a lot of people sort of sit around and wait for that job to find them as though you don't have to put in the hard yards to work out what your passions are and work out what's right for you. You actually have to be out there and trying new things as we've talked about a lot to get closer to figuring that out. You can't just be, you know, you're not going to find your passion from your bedroom. (laughs) Yeah, You've got to get out there. Absolutely. And that can be really scary because the first few times you're basically pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, it's going to feel unnatural. Like the first time you go to a networking event or the first time you try and even think differently about your future, it's scary. But what's on the other side of that fear is like a lot of opportunity. So Liz, for our listeners, what are some ways to actually maximize your opportunities? My favorite strategy is passion because passion is actually one of the easiest ways to be competitive. So if you're trying to get opportunities in areas that you're not really interested in or you don't really care about that much, it's super difficult 
if not impossible to compete with someone who actually really cares about that topic or is really motivated by it. So for example, for me in my business, because I love what I'm doing and I'm fulfilled by it, I'm more motivated than anybody to spend you know hours and hours and hours unpaid of unpaid work and learning new things and meeting new people that other people just wouldn't if they were just trying to make money, for example. So that's one strategy. The second one I would say is just ask for opportunities. <laughs> this was something that I know we both learned at Leap and apply in every aspect of our life. But I, I personally used to get frustrated when I was starting Purposeful because I was trying to get speaking opportunities. And I was like, why aren't people, you know, knocking on my door or inviting me to speak? I'm a public speaker. Or they're not, you know, they don't want me on their panel or whatever. And then I realized that that was actually not how people get work. I did a TED talk and that TED talk, people always say, oh, how did you like, how did you get to do that? That's so cool. I just asked, like, I just asked, can I do a TED talk? I applied for it. And that was how I got that opportunity. So I think there's a lot of misconceptions about thinking that people just get given opportunities, but that rarely happens. And I know you've got a really good one as Mm, well. Absolutely. So a lot of people think, what can I get from every situation they go into? not what they can give. And yeah, a lot of people just act in a really transactional way, especially Mm. these days. So my advice is shift to being more transformational or purposeful in that the best way to actually get opportunities is to help others. And my philosophy to life really is how can I help as many people as possible, you know, within reason and with balance, with their own issues and problems because good things will come. And there's so many examples of this. One good example is if someone does well in a project, then I really like to make sure to give them positive feedback and see you know, how can I actually give this person feedback to maybe their boss or their manager because obviously that person is going to be really grateful and want to do a better job. So there's so many ways and um, it doesn't take very long to put in that extra bit of effort to thank someone, to give them positive feedback, but there's positive outcomes for them and for you. And that, I think it's important to say that you're not like being generous to people just so you can get something from it straight away. It's just like knowing that you don't know who that person is or at what point, you know, you might encounter them again or really they might be someone that's really critical to your relationships or something in the future that it's that's why it's really important to just have a giving mindset yeah absolutely but what do you think are some mistakes that people make that often decrease their opportunities we talked a lot about this in our authenticity episode but just by being inauthentic right and trying to I guess perform in a way that you think people are going to be impressed by particularly interviews networking which instead of making you stand out often makes you just seem the same as everybody else a second one not asking (laughs) we often forget to have an ask I found that when I was trying to get my first customers and clients with purposeful actually for a long time that I would forget to actually ask hey so will you buy this from my business or will you actually you know want to work with us the worst thing that happens is they say no right if you don't Mm. ask you're never gonna get and I think lastly to focus on the quality of the opportunities that you're trying to seek out as opposed to just trying to get everything if you're applying for hundreds of different jobs and kind of just sort of being a bit scattered 
gun in your approach, then you're not going to be putting as much effort or purpose or focus onto the opportunities that you're trying to get. So focusing on ones that are really aligned with your values and your goals is a way better way to do it than just trying to get lucky (laughs) all the time. Absolutely. And you have to remember as well that not every opportunity is the right one for you. You have to go for opportunities that align with your values and you do though require a proactive attitude to actually achieve that. So what's an opportunity or lucky event that you've made for yourself? I've been waiting to tell this story the whole time we've been doing this podcast, (laughs) so I'm very glad you asked this question. (laughs) So one thing that I achieved, my biggest life achievement arguably, was meeting Taylor Swift. Wow. Um, Yes, it was, I I will fully claim it. It was, it was an awesome, like, um, absolutely life-changing thing for me. I had always been a huge Taylor Swift fan and people often go like, oh, did you pay for that? Or, you know, like, did that's so lucky. Like, you're, that's amazing. But it was not an overnight success sort of situation. So my sister and some of my closest friends and I and my mum had been big Taylor Swift fans for about 10 years, like literally since I was 10 years old. And we would go to her concerts. And for those of you who don't know, at every Taylor Swift concert, her mum goes around the crowd and picks out the biggest fans in the crowd. Wow, to meet, didn't know that. Yeah, to meet her after the show every single concert she does. And so we would like dress up fully, like covered in fairy lights, head to toe, like glitter, sparkly dresses, giant signs. We would spend months planning for these concerts to try and get noticed. And it took us about six concerts, I think, until I'd almost given up. My sister totally saved the day. And we, when I was, what, 20 at the time and fully wearing fairy lights at a concert (laughs) with people that I knew there, but we weren't embarrassed by it. And um, yeah, then it was like magic and Taylor Swift's mum tapped me on the shoulder and was like have you ever met Taylor before and I was like no and we were crying and it was amazing but the main point is that you know that wasn't lucky (laughs) like we fully made our own luck with that and we worked so hard over 10 years almost Mm. to actually get in a situation that yes it was lucky and that she could have looked the other way she could have overlooked us but we did it we showed up time and time again to try and get that opportunity so I think like anything yeah you very rarely do people just get lucky like that Mm. that was definitely making our own luck (laughs) it's a lot of hard work I remember when you posted the photo (laughs) and I was like she's so lucky to meet Taylor Swift that's amazing like how that happened and then I messaged you and you told me the whole story about how you you know tried at so many concerts over the years I didn't know the bit about her mum but that makes a lot of sense. But that shows you the extra effort she put in as well yes. with the fans, right? Yes. And she didn't need to do that. But no. you'll always remember that. So it's important, I think, for our listeners, as you do start to achieve success, those little bit of extra efforts you put in as well with your so-called fans mm. is pretty important. Yeah, fans, supporters, employers, whatever. It's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what are some final practical steps for boosting you know, your chance of being lucky in your career yep really quick practical ones I think for everybody reflect so take a moment to think about what's one area of your life or a goal that you have that you could actually be more proactive about achieving or um, one way that you could make your own luck for that opportunity so maybe it could be by just asking finding yourself in the right place that kind of thing that we've talked about secondly I really advocate for using social media to your advantage here because we spend what my average is like three hours a day or something scary on my phone. 
phone. No, not on LinkedIn, on my phone. (laughs) We spend a lot of time on social media. So use it to your advantage. Do a bit of an audit of the people and the accounts that you're following and make sure that you're actually going and following ones that are aligned to your values and your goals because then you're going to be seeing content that's, you know, related to them. And second, thirdly, sorry, if you're on LinkedIn, I really love this strategy. Go and find five people who are in a path that you're interested in or maybe if you've got a dream job, people who are actually doing that. On LinkedIn, you can then go back and see that person's liked posts and the comments that they've made. So if you actually start liking and commenting and engaging with their posts, you're going to be exposed to their network. So say it's like a CEO of a company that you want. You can literally see the people they're connected with, the opportunities that they are seeing. There's nothing Mm. stopping you from doing that. I think that's an advantage that our generation has that other generations haven't is that we can see those networks, those rooms where luck is happening are digital now there's less barriers to being in them so yeah definitely use it to your advantage that's really good devices now it's time for the lost and found even though being lost is a problem that young people across the world are facing it can be easy to feel like you're the only one each episode will bring a young person on the show to share their story and the challenges they're facing about their future Today's guest is Roger, aka DJ Rog, a 23-year-old Swifty and psychologist. Hi, Roger. Thank you so much for coming on board today. We're super excited to hear your story. And to everyone who's listening, we've also got our wonderful producer, Pia, who is making her podcast debut today. I'm so excited. To begin with, tell us about yourself and your journey through life after school. Okay, so my journey. Well, I feel like I was born to perform. I always did drama throughout my life. And in year 12, I was the drama captain. So I thought, hey, WAPA is the next step where you go to perform. Uh, Didn't get in. So I thought, what else do I like to do? I like to help people. So I applied for psychology at UWA. And uh, when I got there, I thought to myself, what got you through school? What got me through school was the fact that I had my drama society and like they really just gave me like good vibes and helped me through every step of my journey. So I looked for another society at uni. I went to every sundowner trying to find who I vibed with (laughs) and the DJ club was the one that I just clicked with. I'd never DJed before. I had never ever DJed before uni. I thought they were just the music club and clearly I love Taylor Swift (laughs) and I just love music in general. So I went down there. I had like a bit of a boogie with them. And they said, you should come back for elections. So I came back and I was like, hey guys, I love music. I'm in a musical right now. I'm in Hairspray. (laughs) And they're like, that's not what the club's about. We're here for DJs. And I was like, oh, well, now that I'm here, I may as well commit. And so I just started beatboxing on the mic and they were like, you know what, you're in. (laughs) And then they threw me into the deep end. I started DJing at actual college events at the tavern. I was just DJing for them and I actually realized Oh, I I like this. I really love this. And so I made it into a bit of a career slash hobby. I did psych as well. I did did psych as well. And so I've managed somehow to get to a point in my life where I'm doing psychology and DJing and making income from both. Which is amazing. And I'd say quite an unconventional career pathway, Mm. which probably you didn't have planned or maybe your year 10 careers advisor didn't advise Mm -hmm. for you at the time. So I'm curious about what was the path that was maybe written for your future? What what did people kind of expect you to do with your life? Okay, so my mum is from a family of 10 kids and they've all just got like 
I've got tons of cousins, got 28 cousins, and wow. they're all like doing different careers. And my mum was always like, we don't have a doctor yet. <laughs> There's no doctor yet. You could be the first. And I was like, yeah, cool. But I like performing. I was like, I like performing. And she's like, okay, so that can be your hobby. Oh. And, and maybe focus on like a, a solid, stable career in like the health field. So I was like, okay. So like she was well aware I wanted to pursue acting though, or like mm. singing or performing. But she was kind of nudging me along uh, the uh, health way. So when Whopper didn't work out, I was like, you know what, mom? I'll, I'll do a health thing. I'll do psychology because I like helping people. Yeah, so that was the career that was kind of set out for me. Yeah, but you still like psychology, right? Like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Am I making it sound like I don't like psychology? <laughs> I absolutely love psychology. Yeah. I love helping people, yeah. And doing both, like the DJing and the psychology. Is that like a big part of what you do? It is so good because, like, as you can imagine, as a psychologist, you deal with other people's mental health per hour. So I would see, like, maybe seven clients a day. That's seven different people's stories that you're trying to help them through you need to take a step back and have a bit of a breather i reckon and djing is such a good way to do that when i'm up there on the stage performing it's like that you know i'm just being me i can drop everything from work in that moment and just thrive in that hobby and in that environment Mm. and then afterwards go back home have a sleep wake up do more psych work and it's like you've had the biggest breath of fresh air yeah in between i think that's really Um, interesting because a lot of people feel like when they find a passion that they have to force it to be their full-time passion like Mm. and you don't necessarily have to do that so you're a really cool example of that one (laughs) thanks um i've seen all your viral (laughs) tiktoks yeah we haven't (laughs) mentioned that yet (laughs) but very important and i think a lot of because of that a lot of people probably look at you and go oh my god this guy has it altogether super successful but was that always the case how what have been some of the challenges that you faced on your journey to kind of figuring out yourself and yeah getting to where you are now okay so my challenge is getting here well as you you just said juggling psychology and DJing I found out that I was passionate about both so that's a good first step to be doing (laughs) things you're actually passionate about but then it was like which one do I dedicate more time to because I have more fun when I'm like performing, I guess, but I, I get really, really fulfilled helping people. Mm. And so I just DJed every Friday or Saturday when I could. And the week was dedicated to psychology, of course. And I always wanted when I leave university, because that was a really easy thing to balance at uni, what will my career actually be like? Do I have to work as a psychologist uh, nine to five every day and then also weekends? So I went to my job interview and I just told them like, Right at the start, I was like, by the way, I um, I DJ <laughs> my other hobby slash job on Fridays and Saturdays. So is it possible to work around that? And I guess asking goes a long way because they're just, they're humans too. They understand. They were like, yeah, for sure. I want to work Tuesdays and Wednesdays, like right off the bat. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lock, lock that in, lock that in. Long weekend. <laughs> Thank you very much. So they were flexible. It was awesome. So I thought it was a challenge in my head. I thought it was more of a challenge than when I actually went to the interview, did it. Really, really was nothing to worry about at mm. all. Yeah, definitely. And I think we often make those assumptions, right, about mm-hmm. like jobs or careers without actually testing them. And yes. a lot of people would have just not asked that question and just assumed, oh, I've got to give it up or I've uh-huh. got to work full time. Uh-huh. So that's awesome. Um, we are talking today all about opportunities and mm. getting lucky in your <laughs> career and life. Tell us more about like, what I know has been your more recent passion yeah. and sort of side hustle, yeah. which has been the, the Taylor Swift nights. Uh-huh. Tell us more about how you got started in that and, and has that created any new opportunities for you? 
Okay, yes. I'm so glad we're talking about the Taylor Swift <laughs> nights. So I've been a Swifty since Fearless came out, the first one, the uh, the stolen one. <laughs> and so I went to the concert when I was younger. I, I watched Love Story every single day. Banger. Banger. And you belong with me. You get, you get two Taylors. Wow. <laughs> so then I just kept loving it throughout school. I went to an all-boys school, so perhaps, you know, expressing your love for Taylor Swift in that environment didn't go down so well. I might have gotten teased here and there. But it just doesn't matter. You know, if you're passionate about something, just be passionate. And so I just kept loving Taylor Swift to an insane degree, no matter what, I don't know, the haters said, you could say. Uh, and I made up an Excel spreadsheet where I ranked all of her songs from, <laughs> from best to worst. Uh, that is a hard and long process. <laughs> hard and long process. Number one, Sparks Fly. Undeniable oh. for me. All too well, number two. And so then <laughs> I um, I let people know about it. I found out who was a Swifty and I was like, here's my list. Do you agree? And they were like, yeah, yeah, you've got great suggestions. Those are in the wrong place. And then they were like, can I put you on my story? And I was like, you want to put me on your story? They're like, this is actually really funny that you do this. And I was like, yeah. Ah, oh, well, put it on your story. And then tons of people just kept putting me and my Excel spreadsheet on their story. And word got around that I was a, <laughs> I was a big Swifty. So running alongside this, there's an uh, organization called Superficial who run Taylor Swift nights. They've always had other DJs do it though. And so they asked my friend to do it. And they were like, hey, no, no, no. There's this guy called Roger. Like he has an Excel spreadsheet. He's like the biggest Swifty. And so they found out about me. They contacted me and were like, apparently you're a big Swifty. And I was like, you bet I am. <laughs> and they're like, well, we need, we need someone who's a Swifty because all our events have actually had some feedback that the DJ doesn't just play her music. They play other stuff and they want her stuff. And I was like, I would have it no other way. Why would you, why would you <laughs> yeah, play exactly. anyone else at a Taylor Swift night? Yeah. So then because I'm so passionate, I crafted a five hour set of her songs that went like perfectly into each other. Oh, wow. did, did it on my first night unleashed the the full set list got dressed up in the you belong with me costume with with the placards that say you okay and that night went viral it went like i po posted one tiktok about it it got 500,000 views like wow. instantly of me playing all too well in a club yeah it just went yeah. viral and they were like okay you're our taylor swift dj full stop <laughs> That's a that's so cool. I, my, my like eleven year old self would have been very excited to know that you can get a job loving Taylor Swift. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, from exactly. that passion. Because I feel like, especially with like Taylor Swift or just music in general, you feel like that's all you can do is just enjoy their music. But you can be so much more part of it by mm. like creating more content based yeah. around it. So you've done like the DJing, the the TikToks yeah. as well. So how is the TikTok going? <laughs> so my TikTok, which is at DJ Roger 1998 um, <laughs> is um, going, it's going pretty well. I reached a Swifty milestone just oh. this week. I hit 22,000 followers. Oh my gosh, congrats. Wow. So I, I, yeah, so when I hit that, I instantly made a 22 um, mashup with Long Live. Oh, awesome. Um, and uh, yeah, like it's going pretty well, I guess you could say. 22K within six months. Is a pretty yeah. oh six months wow pretty good reach I think I've had a few hit over a hundred thousand views so that's nice that people are actually enjoying and sharing it around. Uh, it's mostly DJ stuff though to be honest, me DJing <laughs> her music. But I then kind of deviated and just I put my Excel spreadsheet on there. I, I went through all my rankings of her bridges of her songs, 
And um, people seem to really enjoy that too. So now I'm kind of like a Swifty TikTok creator. Yes, love that. There's so <laughs> many on there right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a big, it's a big new world. Liz, you have to get on it. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> one day, one day I will for you. And I mean, that's something that those opportunities that you've probably got through that wouldn't have been afforded to any other generation, right? Like we're the oh, first gosh. that you can express yourself in that way. And yeah, is mm-hmm. there, can you tell us a little bit more about what's come from that? Like that's such a cool thing in itself, but has there been any opportunities since then? What's come from that? Besides all the people DMing me Instagram being like, can you please promote our song? <laughs> which, I, which I haven't done yet because I don't know. I just want to post Taylor Swift stuff. I've gotten... Like tons more gigs, actually. Like Superficial, what I, which I mentioned earlier, who do the Taylor Swift nights, they do other nights as well. And so they see how like passionate and into it I get. They were like, do you want to give um, One Direction a shot or Ariana Grande or High School Musical? And I say yes to all of them. I'm like, yeah, why not? I love all of these artists, not as much as Taylor Swift, but I do love them. And so they've given me tons of gigs and they are even flying me around Australia, which I never thought was going to be possible during a pandemic. But I managed to go to Adelaide and Sydney before any lockdowns hit with this Taylor Swift night. That's that's amazing because you've gotten that through being yourself, I think. From from hearing you talk, like, clearly you're just very passionate about it, but also kind of unapologetically so, like, just doing (laughs) it, you know, doing it in a way that makes sense for you and then other people are noticing you to the extent that Mm. they're, like, referring you for things just mm. because you're really passionate and openly passionate about that one thing. So I think that's a really cool lesson to learn. So you've got your DJing and you've got your psychology work. Uh-huh. What does success look like to you now? Success to me? Okay. I guess success to me is measured in like how fulfilled you feel in life. And I'm feeling really fulfilled. Like there's, there's way more to go, of course. There's always more to strive for. But I'm really, really content at my place in the world right now. Like I, I work Tuesdays and Wednesdays doing psychology, helping people through their problems. And I've, I've seen people's journeys like actually reach the end. I've discharged clients who say to me, I don't actually need you anymore, mate. Like I don't feel depressed or anxious anymore. I think I'm good to go. And I'm like, yes. See you later. I think so as well. And that is so fulfilling. And I feel like that's really like that's success to me that I've helped someone reach a mental health goal. So that's pretty successful. <laughs> then I think of my own mental health mm. as well. Like I'm helping others through theirs. What about me? Am I taking care of myself? Do I have all the self-care? Am I pursuing my passions? And when I think about that, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really happy. I, I feel like DJing, despite being a hobby, kind of is self-care for me because like it's the pursuing of that passion and yeah like I feel like I'm pretty successful in the way that I can do something that I like yeah that's success to me I agree and I think it's very inspiring and refreshing to hear that what advice would you pass on to your 15 year old self who yeah stuck in high school big Taylor Swift fan Uh maybe not fitting (laughs) in a little because of that what would you say to that Roger okay I would tell them Just don't worry about like anyone else's perceptions of you, you know, it's not theirs to speculate if it's wrong. So you just do yourself, be passionate, you know, the haters are going to hate. So shake it off. Just shake it (laughs) off and like, just, just be you because just by being myself, I, I, I reached my goals and you said it yourself, I was kind of unapologetically passionate about it. So really don't let them get to you and make you feel, you know, bad about it just just do you 
thank you so, so much for coming on today. You're super inspiring and we oh. will definitely be making it down to a Taylor Swift night Please. sometime soon. Yes, I'm guys, so excited. Yeah, free on the door list, don't worry. <laughs> oh, thank you. So we're all the best and we're super um, excited to see what, what you do next. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming along. The end. So, Liz, what did you think of our guest today? Well, as a Swifty, I thought his story was awesome. But in particular, I think what really struck me was that Roger is so passionate and authentic and such a wicked example of someone who's pursuing their passion. And I loved that he talked about success as being to do with fulfillment and how like it was really important to him that he looked after himself through that process as well. and wasn't just like giving and being generous to others all the time, but actually pursuing your passion is something that is like an act of self-care almost. I thought it was a really cool way to look at it. Yeah, I loved that he was able to find two passions in his life and still be able to fulfil them both. I think that's something that I'm really interested in doing, having multiple things going on in my life. And it's awesome to hear that Roger was able to do that, but just by asking. So you never know what opportunities are laying around the corner. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And if you don't um, put yourself out there, you know, and the power of authenticity, I think, really struck me as well, actually, what can happen when you just be yourself and do it in a really passionate and unapologetic way. Yes, I loved it. Thanks for listening to The Lost Button, a podcast helping you figure out your future one episode at a time. If our stories hit home for you today, we'd love for you to leave us a review or share with a friend. Head to our website to get career advice from The Lost Button. Sign up to our mailing list for more practical tips or check out Purposeful on Insta to be part of our community. We'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we're recording today, the Noongar people of Wajak country. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Thanks and have an epic day.